My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Welcome back to Are You For Real? Today, we're sitting down and chatting with Wes Carter and Peter King, who are both currently um, on the North Shore in Hawaii. And we are talking about their new project, A New Earth. Uh, The mission statement for this project is actually pretty incredible. I'm going to share it with you guys before we meet the guys. The history of surf is the history of the environment, the history of travel, manufacturing, and commerce. From the beginning, our oceans have been the barometer of our health, of who we are as a people. To know the story of those who surf is to know the story of sustainability and preservation, the story of those who strive for a clean planet. And when the oceans become sick and our way of life threatening, then the mission becomes clear. We will work towards a new earth. Meet the guys. We are talking today to Peter King and Wes, who we've had on the podcast. So I've known Wes for a really, really long time. Wes has um, been in rooms that I've taught in and also other rooms that I haven't taught in. And um, like, Wes, how did this all like happen? Like, how did a good Southern boy like you end up so far away from home right now? (laughs) I wish I really knew. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of been a a magical experience. Um, you know, a lot of things had to come together for, for all of this to happen, but it's, it's honestly, it's happened pretty quickly. So, um, you know, I got a phone call from a, a mutual friend of Peter and I's, um, over Christmas. And he said, Hey, I, uh, one, a good friend of mine, Peter King. And I was like, yeah, I don't know who Peter King is. I've read his stuff before uh, surfing community. He's like, well, he's, he's looking to, to do something pretty special and trying to find a partner to collaborate with. And, um, our friend Darren Dunn said, Hey, I, I really think you might be the right guy. Um, and this is really, you know, about uh, joining the surfing community, the advocates for the oceans with industry, you know, specifically the packaging industry um, to really, uh, for the first time ever, try to collaborate across the supply chain uh, from advocacy all the way through industry uh, to begin to really address some of the big problems that are facing uh, our planet, specifically related to uh, plastic pollution. So uh, Darren called me and pitched this and I said, Wow, that sounds remarkably amazing. Um, a few hours later, I was on a Zoom call with uh, with Peter. He was on the North Shore. I was in Park City, actually, on vacation with my family. And, um, you know, we had great synergy and uh, his vision and, and you know, my experience. And, you know, of course, I grew up as a surfer and it's a big passion of mine. Um, and so there was just a lot of uh, synergy there. And um, I looked at my wife and said, hey, I'm going to go to uh, Hawaii in about a week. She's like, you're going to do what? <laughs> Um, I was like, yeah, I'm, we're going to get to Hawaii. This, this, this is, this is a cool, cool idea. So, um, Peter, I, Peter and I met, uh, you know, eight or 10 days later, um, and, um, uh, and we're off and running. So, uh, that's really how it all started. It was, this has not been like years in the making or anything. It really just sort of emerged. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons I love it so much. I mean, it feels very, um, organic and natural and, and, and really meaningful. Yeah. I could tell just when you were at the studio the other day and we were chatting about it, you you know, you've never had a loss for words, but you definitely had a lot to say. And so it was really cool to hear about it. And I was so excited and, um, I'm really just excited to hear about this and to talk to y'all. So, um, Peter, since I don't know you, I'm, thank you so much for being here. Um, give us a little about, I'm sure with, you don't need much introduction, but go ahead and give our listeners some introduction. No, I'm sure I do. Uh, well, I'm, I'm 53. I've been a surfer my whole life. I'm from San Diego, California. And I've been in the surf industry, grew up surfing, sponsored, competitive surfer, pro surfer, traveled the world uh, for a lot of years, like back when you could smoke on airplanes. And uh, that was the best, man. The world was a different place. Uh, Yeah, I remember sitting one row behind the smoking section and thinking I was killing it because I wasn't in the smoking section (laughs) on the way to South Africa, 48 hours of plane rides. You are old. I'm old. Some American airline planes, the one that goes to Brazil from Dallas, still has the ashtrays in the armrest. Oh, I remember those. All that is is holding gum at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, you know, back when I was first traveling the world, 
you could watch any movie you wanted as long as you went to sleep and just dreamt it. <laughs> there was no monitors, there was no iPads, you know. So I come from a different time, and uh, I guess we all do. But so I've been traveling and surfing the world for a long time, and I'm now on the North Shore of Oahu. And this is kind of the the industry hub for surfing is Orange County, California. That's where all the surf companies are that kind of make the, the big splash, like Quicksilver, Billabong, Hurley, O'Neill, Rip Curl. They're all, they all have a big center in Orange County, but the North Shore is where everything really happens. So every year, everyone does the migration to the North Shore for winter time, and this is where the big waves are. This is where the impressive surfing goes down. Back when, again, talking about olden days, this is where people would shoot slides, pictures, film, and then they'd show up in magazines three months later and sell the dream of surfing. So surfing exploded in terms of producing product probably in the late 80s, mid, early to mid, late 80s. And it's never looked back. And now there's just so much surf product made in the world. Surfboards, you know, shirts, hats, glasses, swag, everything, which obviously has contributed to the global, you know, creation of product and product waste and shipping waste and et cetera, et cetera. Fishing has been a big part of my life. My father was a fisherman, uh, tuna boats. He went to Africa back in the seventies. Tuna was a big industry in San Diego in the seventies. And so we're in the ocean, all our friends fish and surf, and it's just getting really bad. <laughs> Obviously third world countries like Indonesia and like Bali, we see it. It's so crazy. You can't even believe it exists. All the trash that washes in all over the ocean everywhere. Mm -hmm. The east side of this island is the tragedy um, of Oahu. The east side of all the island chains here are just hammered by all the plastic rolls up on the beaches over there. I mean, you, you couldn't even get rid of it. I don't know what you can do. But we are going to do with a new earth project, we're going to attempt to uh, change people's minds and it has to happen. The conversation we had that really got us inspired was it has to ha it has to be a complete front assault, like the packaging, the creation of the product and the consumer. So I'm learning day by day. I don't know everything. I'm not an expert on pollution and solving those situations. I just come from a background of, of surfing and spending a life in the water and wanting it to be clean and pure. Now right. I know there are political movement agendas some are, I would, you know, you have to make your own decision on that stuff. Some are legit. Some look like they're trying to make money. We can talk politics on here if you want. <laughs> you some, some people take advantage, right? You can take advantage of any situation and create a tragedy and, and pretend to be the solution. So we ain't asking anybody for money ever. That's not what we do. We are people that make and consume products. So we want to educate I learned by talking to Wes and Jeremy, who works with him, that 12% of what we put in our blue bins gets recycled. I thought yeah. everything you put in got recycled. Right. I thought you could put a house in there and it would get recycled. Right. <laughs> so does everybody else. Right. Yeah, totally, and we, totally. And we, I learned from these guys that Austin, Texas, has the most amazing recycling program in the world. I've learned from some people here in Hawaii that Hawaii doesn't have the best recycling. We have blue bins but I think it all goes together pretty much. I take my car, I cut up my cardboard and we can get into this stuff later. I go to the dump here and there's these blue bins. Our dump site on the North shore, when you want to recycle cardboard, you have to cut it into squares that fit perfectly into the blue bins. And you go down to the dump and there's 20 blue bins. They're always full. I don't know when they take them. So there's a sign that's with the word spelled wrong. Uh, all full, take to the top. So then you just take that up to the landfill and throw it in the landfill bin. So, so then that's it, that right? You know, so this project right now, today, we're going to make a series, eight episodes to tell the history of surfing from day one, from the Duke, all the way to modern day. And then we're going to do some episodes that show and feature companies that are using best practices, trying to create sustainable supply chains, et cetera. And using recycled products, we're going to put some machines from Wes's factory into these companies' hands and help them make more recyclable packaging and stuff like that. But I don't think we're going to solve the North Shore of Oahu's recycling today. 
but we're going to start telling the stories of how things can get better. Hopefully we'll make a city impact at some point because it has to be the packaging people, mm -hmm. the end user, the creators of the product, and then waste management has to be a big thing yeah. to get into. But I'm not a politician, so I don't know how to solve that yet. But yeah. I guess I was supposed to say more about my own background. Um, no, it's cool. This is good. I was on MTV for about four or five years, I think. I don't know. I hosted a show called Sandblast. Um, He's got great stories about being on MTV, too. I'm like, screw the project. Let's talk about MTV. <laughs> Just kidding. Remember MTV? Remember I said I was old. Uh, there was a channel called MTV back in the day. Did they play music videos or reality yeah. TV? Teen Mom. Yeah. I, I, What's a music video? When right. I hosted my first show it was called Sandblast, they were also coming out with something called The Real World that same year. And didn't that change the world? Mm -hmm. Yes, I loved that show. London was my favorite season. Uh, yeah, and remember, everyone hated Puck. I found out that Puck was on the show for like two days before he was gone. And they ended up using him. It looked like he lived there for like six months. They did a good job. Puck, the bike rider guy. Yeah, I totally remember him. But they changed the world with MTV, right? Well, anyway, it's just like I was a host of some sports shows. Sandblast, and I hosted MTV Sports a little bit when Dan Cortez couldn't make it to set for whatever reason. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I've been hosting things and surfing. And then I was in some bands. I play music. My brother was in a band called Mary's Danish and they were a big band in LA. They opened for the Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction on tour all the time. And he told me to put a band together. That's when there was bands. So I come from a time of like CDs, bands, kids were in bands. Mm -hmm. Is there a <laughs> band anymore? There's just dance tubes. I don't think there's even dance <laughs> <laughs> MTV, like my era is gone. <laughs> Everything. Maybe we can bring it back. That's what we're bringing. I thought that's what we're bringing it back, though. Right. What's what's old is <laughs> really a new project. After this series is done, we're going to start a music video channel. I love it. But I've done a bunch I'm of. I'm going to play the tambourine. That's all I'm qualified to play. I want to do that <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. So I hosted a bunch of events, and I was on MTV for a while. I've been in some bands and toured the world as a musician too. Um, I was in a band, uh, I don't know what to say about it. The name of it was called The Surfers. It was with Kelly Slater, the 11 time world champion, myself and Rob Machado. Um, everyone at the studio- Who are those guys? I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, noticed, you noticed they kept their day jobs. You know, right. <laughs> we didn't have a band name. And when we were recording, people kept calling to get us in the studio and they're like, yeah, I'm calling for Kelly. He's with, oh, are they with those surfers? Are they with the surfers? Are they with the surfers? So everyone just called us the surfers because we we're in a world that wasn't full of surfers. Anyway, that's a good story sometime. that We were on Sony Records. T-Bone Burnett produced the record. Uh, it's called The Surfers, Songs from the Pipe. We Can people check it out on like Spotify? Is it still, is it yeah, on there? It's, it's yeah, okay, cool. Records, and it was a, they, we spent a lot of money on that record, probably 650 grand. That was like the last record deal before the music industry said, we are not wasting money on records anymore. <laughs> you toured with Pearl Jam, didn't you, for a little bit? We opened for Pearl Jam and Rancid, but we Eddie Vedder was a fan of surfing and wanted us to tour his whole year, but Kelly couldn't do it. Okay. Yeah, that would have been a good thing for us. We ended up selling about eight records. Eight. <laughs> but the, the album is called Songs from the Pipe. And we wrote all the demos. This is another thing that doesn't exist anymore. It was called a four track. And it was a four track tape cassette recorder. And our friend was holding two microphones and pressing play record while we tracked some demo songs. And his name was Jack Johnson. So I should have said, bye bye, Kelly. Bye bye, Rob. Hey, Jack, let's do something. <laughs> he wasn't even playing music then. But we recorded all the demos at his house at Pipeline. How about that? So it's called Songs from the Pipe. Then people thought Songs from the Pipe was like a crackhead <laughs> title or something like that. <laughs> there was a lot of miscommunication. And for my next question. <laughs> not about me here, but more Keep about Keep going. Me. So we signed a huge record deal. It was a, called a $250,000 record. That's what everybody got. Like that was Stone Temple. Pilot deal, it was everyone's record deal at the time. You just got the standard deal. It was like so wasteful. And I don't even know where the money went. I mean, I never saw a penny. Um, got flown to New York to do interviews all day and found out that the president of the label had been fired. And there was a new president and she wanted to meet us. Her name was Polly Anthony. 
she became the head of Epic Records, which was a division center. So they put us up at the Royalton, like fancy hotel in New York. We go to dinner after doing interviews all day. And she looks at us and she said, what did you guys think about playing your first show? Because we had a show in California. And I started saying, oh, it was so fun. And she goes, yeah, I'd like to hear from Kelly. She goes, Kelly, what'd you think of doing your first show? And he wouldn't answer. He was mad. He had done interviews all day. And he just wasn't feeling it and didn't say a word. And we we're looking at him, very awkward moment, right? They spent all this money on us. Our album's about to come out. And after dinner, she gets up, she looks at our A&R guy and she says, your record will never come out and you're fired. <laughs> oh. So that was the, uh, the that end. That was the end. We scrambled the next day. Kelly just said, oh, I'm so sorry. I felt bad. Tried calling her. She didn't return messages. It was kind of like new owner didn't want to deal with the new band anyway. And we gave her a perfect excuse not to really yeah. care. At that time, I did not know, just like I didn't know about Bitcoin, but I didn't know I should have <laughs> done a record with Jack Johnson. Damn it! There's a record out there called The Surfers. It's worth listening to. It's pretty good. I'm going to check it out on my way home. Well, I've done hosting, surfing, music, and now producing a lot of uh, content in the surf world. For the last eight years, I do a thing called Tour Notes, which is behind the scenes of life on tour. Those are all over the internet. You just type in Tour Notes in any search. It'll all come up. Tour, hashtag Tour Notes. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So I create content and... I've been doing photography and video for many, many years for Jason Mraz, Zach Brown Band, with a friend of mine named Darren Doan. Darren Doan is the one that Introduced reached us. out to Wes and connected us. And, and Darren does a lot of brand building lately. He's really savvy at, at how brands are perceived these days and getting rid of the old methods of marketing teams and things like that and, and really going big on social media and he's obviously been working with Wes at Atlantic and obviously a New Earth project. Darren's working with us on this too. So we're all coming together and we're going to do a lot of documenting of the making of this series. You know, you'll see the whole thing being made on social media. Not I just think that's the, what's cool too. It's on Prime. We're going to show the whole process, what cameras, what lenses. Kids are so into creating content these days. We want to merge all of what we do creatively into this project and show everyone. We're not trying to hide behind the scenes and we have no political bills in Congress. We're just going to change the world by doing it. Yeah. I like that. I, I was listening to, um, the little, the not little, but the trailer that you did Wes on the website before. And one of the things I, I, you know, of course resonated with what you said was that it's time to stop blaming people and really time to start taking responsibility because that there's so much energy lost and like pointing fingers. And I, and I, I resonated with that a lot because of course, not only do we find that in every part of our lives, but clearly it's something that's happening environmentally as well. And I'd love to talk about that. Sure. I mean, it, it really kind of, this whole process has, has really been a, a great learning experience. And, you know, as, as, as we've begun down this road and really begin to look at these issues, I mean, one thing that's emerged for me and where I think we've, as a society, where we've gotten stuck historically is it's sort of human nature to want to point fingers and blame and say, it's this person's fault, or it's this company's fault, or, you know, and while in some cases that may be true, I mean, there is some responsibility that lies um, with organizations and, and with, with individual humans and collectively, you know, in order to solve this problem, I mean, this is just one man's perspective. I just think it's counterproductive mm -hmm. to look at who's causing this problem, who has caused it. At the end of the day, we all did this, mm -hmm. you know, it was a, it was a societal issue that developed over the last 60 years, you know, when plastics became more and more predominant in our society. And it was driven out of cost and convenience. I mean, plastics were a, a revolution for our society and continue to be. So I don't really believe anybody set out to pollute the earth. I don't, you know, none of us intentionally wanted to do that, but it happened nevertheless. And so, you know, one of the reasons I'm trying to speak out is I'm in that supply chain. Right. I am in the packaging industry. We sell plastic packaging. And I feel like it's time for all of us that are a part of this supply chain to really begin to look at it and honestly say, hey, we have been part of this problem. And we're honestly the only people that can fix it. You know, if, if the supply chain that is producing all of these products doesn't begin to shift, it doesn't matter how many cleanup efforts there are. The amount of plastic that is going into the oceans every single day, the estimates are a truckload of plastic 
goes into the ocean every 70 minutes. Oof. Seven zero. Every hour, a truckload of plastic. And that's today. That number is growing and growing and growing. So, and so can I ask you one question just as, as a consumer and someone who's learning? You know, I see, and I don't want to like dumb down the South at all because I think, you know, we live in Charleston. We live in a, the I would say the most progressive city in South Carolina. Um, and, you know, everywhere you go, there's, everybody's using paper straws and, uh, you know, forks that are, I don't know if they're biodegradable. Is that as well part of the problem or is that a solution or is that a Band-Aid? At this point, I think we have to look at all of it. Um, but if, if, we, if we as consumers get a warm and fuzzy feeling that we're, we're actually making an impact because we're using paper straws, we're fooling ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the problem is so much more pervasive. And I hear a lot of people who are out there screaming the war on plastics, but yet they're sitting there with their you know, laptop that's made out of plastic. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're driving a car that has plastic all throughout it. I mean, you know, this, I, you know, when, when I hear people standing up and preaching and condemning plastic and pointing fingers at everybody, again, plastics are so pervasive in our society. We depend on them. Mm-hmm. We depend on them in ways we don't even understand. So, again, I really think you, we got to be a lot more intelligent, you know, really begin to look at where are they necessary and where are they not? Mm-hmm. And to me, the real obvious place is single-use plastics. And that goes for things like straws, but it's so much broader than that. And, the cons- you know, we have to begin to shift our priorities as consumers, you know, and begin to say we want to live more sustainable lives. But we need to acknowledge that there's certain parts of our lives where plastics actually help. Mm-hmm. There's, a lot, there's certain types of plastics that actually facilitate utilizing less material. You know, and, and, and there are areas where if you replace, you know, if you replace certain plastic products with an alternative, the amount of carbon that it would, re, you know, require to produce those products is astronomical. So it's not just as simple as saying, hey, we need to replace all plastics. We got to look at each individual application and really, you know, do we have good alternatives? And, and really, it's also looking at the end of life for those products. I mean, the biggest issue we've got right now, we do not have the infrastructure to deal with the end of life at all. And, and by I think end of life, you mean when the product's done? When the product's done, even if we have sophisticated recycling, you can't recycle those products forever and ever and ever, certainly not with the technology we have today. So we've got to begin to analyze, like, you know, if, if these products cannot be made circular where they can remain in the supply chain, you know, where are there areas that, of products that we can, you know, begin to eliminate? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at least that is my belief. And, and I think it takes education across the supply chain and tra- a, tra- a, a transformational amount of collaboration. So what and so, you know, clearly you're working with the surf industry. So, you know, Peter, what is I'm sure this is something is being in the oceans all the time that y'all think about, talk about you're rubbing up against it. What is this? Wh- what the, what's the heart in it for you? Uh, taxing people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> we to South Carolina. <laughs> and then trust the government to spend that tax properly. That's the solution. Um, well, many. So first off, you, of course, we all know those six-pack can carriers, those plastic six-pack can carriers that exist, have existed since the beginning of time, and uh, they're killing the turtles, right? So that's why we cut them up before we put them in the recycle bin. And Wes has this new product called Fishbone, which is going to be a big push we're going to do in the surf industry. And we're trying to get some companies right now that market pretty specifically to the surf industry to switch over to using that and, you know, early phases of testing it and seeing if it works. But that is a 100% recyclable, you know, curbside recyclable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a paper-based beverage carrier that's recyclable and compostable. And I think you know one what, thing that I would add when thing, I'm Wes, looking at... Before you go even any further, because of uh, some of our listeners, you know, like, b- break down what's recyclable. Like, what does that even mean? Well, you know, lots of things are recyclable. Um, you know, plastic, quite honestly, is is one of the most recyclable substrates. You know, that's actually one of the real advantages of plastic. We just currently do not have the recycling infrastructure in the United States to deal with it. Um, but if we did, that would be, a, I mean, that would be a huge breakthrough. And I think that is one area that we have to invest is upgrading our recycling infrastructure so we can deal with plastics. I mean, in, in certain places in Europe, they recycle far more plastics than we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, currently, 
currently the number in the United States is about 12 percent. Uh, and that's and that's that's where it is today. No, people don't realize that. But there's places in Europe where it's in excess of 50 percent. And, and there's some technologies like chemical recycling, which I won't really get into, but chemical recycling holds a lot of promise. Um, it takes plastics and breaks them back down to like the monomer level where they can be utilized really over and over and over and over again. But one of the areas I think we've got to acknowledge is what I call consumer destined pa- plastic packaging. If it ends up in the hands of the consumer, the likelihood that it ends up in our environment is high. It just is. It blows out of trash cans. It blows out of the back of garbage trucks. It blows out of cars and boats. If it ends up in the hands of the consumer, the likelihood is that it can end up in the environment. So when I look at that whole group of products, I'm looking for alternatives that are in paper-based is a good example. So if our fishbone beverage carrier ends up in the ocean in 12 to 14 weeks, it's gone. Okay. You know, with plastic packaging in 400 years, it's gone. Jeez. Maybe. Yeah, so that right there, the surf world has a direct tie-in to being a fan of that product. It, if it ends up in the ocean, that, you know, six-pack of Budweiser carrier, it's gone in six weeks. It dissolves and it's gone. Cardboard is a very good, good cardboard is a good recyclable, compostable product. And, so, that, and that's just an example of one product. Right. I mean, we're looking across the supply chain in areas that we can, you know, and the other piece of it is, you know, you, you, you got to go beyond just the product itself, like, you know, we want to be sure that the paper products that we're buying are coming from sustainable forests, you know, and historically paper mills have not been terribly sustainable. So, again, you know, this is a very complex issue. And, you know, we've got to hold the people that are making paper accountable to, you know, sustainable forestry practices. So that's um, like teaching them how to mm-hmm. showing them how to have better. And there and, right? and, and, and to their credit, there's some there's some major paper companies that are leading the way. Um, again, um, what's the best way to capture carbon? Trees, forests, mm-hmm. by far. So we need healthy forests. We need sustainably farmed forests. Um, and that, that's a part of the picture, too. But, but paper's not the answer for everything. There are some areas that we can just eliminate it altogether. Like at the end of the day, like to me, like is a straw really necessary? Do we really need straws? Right. Either, and, <laughs> I mean, I don't. There's some areas. But that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway. So, well, so, so a surf company, I wouldn't call them a surf company, maybe an outerwear company, well, I don't know, but Patagonia, and obviously they're very big on uh, sustainability and they're very eco-conscious mindset of a company brand, I would say. Of course. And they have a thing called the, the they like do the worn wear program and you can return any Patagonia product and they'll recycle it. I don't, mm. know, I don't know exactly how, but like. They want you to just drop off your old clothes. If you can't find someone to take your old clothes, bring it to them. Yeah. And they'll, they'll recycle it. They'll patch any board shorts or wetsuit or product you've bought. They'll patch it and fix it so you can keep using it. Is that know, so that whole like reuse before recycle kind of concept? Yeah, reduce, reuse, recycle. I mean, and they, they have a funny graphic on their website that says recycling is broken. Now what? It's a funny article. And it, it shows the idea and it shows you putting a plastic bottle into a recycling bin and then the next phase it's it shows like this whirlwind that says pop recycling magic and then the next phase is new bottles and it's like this is what we wish would happen but right. this isn't actually what happens <laughs> so and that like, is one of the things but we convinced the whole world put your recyclables in this bin and we told them i was told you you're good you did what you were supposed to do mm-hmm. you drank your plastic bottle you put it in this bin we're good and now we come to find out we were lied to. Right. <laughs> and, and and I guess like it's to me, I keep going back to like the whole concept of like the education piece because like the blaming isn't going to work. And and then this might be like not a very cool question to ask, but we don't want to talk about politics. I mean, like who pays for it? Right. If, if it's if it's a, like more of a, um, a world thing, because I, I agree, like I think I have three little kids and, you know, we don't live in the North shore, but we live in Charleston and my oldest son, who's just turned seven, he's gotten really into surfing and like, he loves to be out there. And I'm so grateful that we, his backyard is the ocean. Right. And so in our waters, I mean, and Wes, you can speak to this way more than I can, but they just feel dirty all the time. And I'm like, my kid's getting in there, you know? And as a mom, 
I would love to be able to have there for there to be programs, like even in the schools. And so what, how does that work? Is that just something that you slowly start to generate or just deeper conversation or, you know, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, what we talk like to me, the spirit of collaboration, I think has the most power. Um, and, and really in, in lots of areas of life, we're just better together. Mm-hmm. And so I do think governments play a part in this, but my hope is it won't come from penalties and taxation. Mm-hmm. You know, it will get to that at the rate that we're polluting the planet over the next 10 or 15 years. If we do nothing, this problem that we've sort of been able to have an intentional blind spot around is going to be so pervasive that like you're not going to allow your son to go surfing anymore. Mm-hmm. That's where we're headed. But I'm hoping that through this initiative, and this is one of many, I mean, we certainly don't have all the answers. We're just two guys that are talking about it. We're right. trying to live the que- we're trying to live the questions right. and ask the questions. But I do what I hope to see, and I spoke about this not too long ago. I'd like to see the consumer products industry pay for it voluntarily. If the 50 or 75 or 100 largest consumer products companies in the world all got together and started a consortium and said, we are going to take a percentage of our profits and invest in upgrading the recycling infrastructure in the United States or maybe worldwide to class A, those companies have the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I mean, what an amazing story that would be. If, if the consumer products industry and the packaging supply chain be a part of it too, Atlantic packaging could be a part of it. But we all collectively said, we as a global community are going to do this together in the spirit of collaboration for all the future generations that come behind us. That's what we want our legacy to be, not the legacy of polluting the earth, because that's what it's going to be. And again, governments, the U.S. government, they get behind that incentives that's what that's what companies need. You know, they need incentives to make these changes. Some of these changes away from traditional packaging and are really expensive. But just in the way the government, like the federal government right now, has a 26% tax credit for solar panels for industry. Wow. It's a big deal, man. Yeah, that is a big we, deal. We just we we just invested, you know, in in solar across our entire network of facilities, and that 26% incentive really mattered. You know, and what what if they did that in all areas of the supply chain, you know, to help companies transition to a more sustainable future? I just think the energy of that mm-hmm. is far more powerful than taxing everybody and penalties. And, um, Absolutely. and we may get to that. Absolutely. No, I totally hope. agree with that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's just like anything. I mean, you know, you... And this is probably off course, but just like even having kids instead of going at them and being like, you're wrong, you're wrong. Like, what's the underbelly, right? Like, where's, what's this, what's really happening? Like, where's the incentive in this? What can we do to, instead of flip this into like, you've done wrong to like, okay, now we know better, we do better, right? Maya Angelou, I didn't say that, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, you know, I guess- as no, a- Sarah, Sarah, that's it exactly. That's it exactly. It's this, hey, let's learn from where we've been Let's not focus on blaming and finger pointing. Let's work together to create a better future. You know, and if we do and in the same ways that we raise children or hope to raise children, you know, in the spirit of like healing and health and collaboration and supporting each other, it's the same thing that you do in the in, in the rooms. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Well, it's, it's this, a collective community all, that's gonna change the vibration, period. I don't care how fucking heady that sounds, but it is, you know, and and I always say, like, people are like, oh, who am I? I'm one person. I'm like, so is Mother Teresa. So is Gandhi. So is Jesus. I mean, these are one people, you know, one person. And I think, I believe truly, like, if there is an initiative and enough people are into it, I mean, clearly this is why I was interested in talking to you guys. Like, it's all about the betterment because, you know, we can have big government or little government, but it's the people that are going to make the shift. And so I guess that kind of brings me to my next question is, you know, how can consumers participate in this the best way? I think the first thing that consumers have to do is in, in the same way, like really start asking the questions, you know, and, and, and quite honestly, one of the, the reasons I feel so confident that we can do this as a global community is the amount of information that is, is accessible to us has never been greater. Our ability to collaborate across radical geographies we never there's never been a time in human history where this has been more available but the consumers have to begin to educate themselves 
you know, like, and, and one of the things we want to do is, is this really cool collaboration. That's interesting. It's all about surfing that people will tune in and hopefully like begin to educate folks, you know, like Mm -hmm. begin to learn it and, and really there's just no substitute for education, you know, and education's expensive in all of its forms. Uh, my father taught me that actually. Um, and I believe it's true here too, but again, uh, begin to ask the questions and also de- reward the companies that send you more sustainable options, you know, reward the Patagonias of the world, mm-hmm. you know, shop with those folks and the companies that continue to turn a blind eye, don't support them right. because at the end of the day, these companies want to support consumers. And if consumers demand more sustainable options, su- demand more sustainable packaging, just demand that that what shows up at their house is recyclable and we have avenues to do that, companies will shift. But right now, historically, everyone is focused on, well, the consumers just want convenience. They want cheap and they want convenience. Mm -hmm. And we have to begin to say, hey, that is not enough. Cheap and convenience can no longer be what we we want as consumers. doesn't mean everything has to be radically expensive, but it can't be at the expense of polluting this entire planet. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. So, I mean, you know, I have a friend. So I was going to mention, we we're talking earlier about some solutions in the surf world. There's a guy named Nev Hyman. He's an Australian and he started Firewire Surfboards, which is now owned by Kelly Slater, who sold the company. And he has a thing called Nev House and he incentivizes trash in third world countries and turns plastic and microplastic into building materials and builds homes in places where they couldn't afford to build them before. But he will purchase from a village or anywhere, literally anywhere. It's like $100 for a ton of trash. And they have these factories in China, which are actually green certified factories. And they are turning that stuff into building blocks. And they build these earthquake, typhoon, hurricane-resistant homes, community centers. They build them out of these materials on, on these island chains all throughout the Indonesia and, and I think it's South Taiwan, China, like all over. It's, it's a pretty cool project. Has nothing to do with surfing. It just he invested in this company originally, and the other partner passed away, and then he took it over. But we're going to feature him for sure and, and get some coverage of him because what he's doing is a really cool thing. I mean, talk about incentivizing trash, even microplastics. They can take that, melt that down, turn it into a slurry, and that's filling material. I actually just communicated, and I'm telling you this along with Wes for the first time. This guy saw our beach cleanup at the house we stayed at over here when he first came over. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and he hit me up, and he's making plastic skateboards. Do you remember those penny skateboards that were really popular like a year or two, two years ago? Every kid had them. They were these little plastic retro 60s-looking skateboards with really soft wheels. Almost every kid had one. I bought my kid probably three of them. I think I damn near broke my tailbone. Yes, <laughs> yes, because they're so Because you're old, Wes. Yeah. <laughs> but this kid... I keep forgetting that. This kid and a cool little partner, and we're going to feature him. We're gonna, you'll see it on a newer project. It's coming up soon, but he's going to come back over to Hawaii. He's, he's doing that. He's taking microplastics. So we picked up all this microplastic on the beach that day, and we were told by a bunch of people, like, yeah, you can't do anything with these. You know, we're just cleaning up the beach. We've got to still throw these in the landfill. Nobody can recycle microplastics. And this guy, this little factory, this little skateboard factory, he's melting it down, turning it into a slurry. It looks like a slushy coming out, like mm-hmm. a slurpy. But it's just they melt it down and they pour these skateboards. And then they press them in a mold and he's making skateboard decks. Out and of he's, he, this is a, a dude that's in the States, or this was the guy. That's the, just, and that's just a kid, like three kids. They live in like Utah. That's so cool. Yeah. So, you so, know, you hey, brought you up. Things like that are cool. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. talk about what consumers, what consumers can do, like. Like, and we're going to try to promote all these really cool innovations. Like, people are doing some really cool stuff. And you're like, we need to, like, reward those companies. And mm-hmm. we need to talk about them on social media and celebrate the wins. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I th- you know, and that creates this energy, I believe, that, hey, we can do this. And we can, I mean, you know, who's more creative than humans? I mean, like, yeah. We can come up with some really cool stuff, especially if we collaborate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's one of the reasons I have a lot of confidence that, you know, this is not going to be easy. We're not going to solve this problem overnight, but it can be done. I, I truly believe that. So when yeah, you- I'm looking, I'm looking at this kid's Instagram right now. He says they're taking suitcases of taking microplastics back by the suitcase to Idaho. So that's where they are. They're in Idaho, and they they they're taking them back. And I'm showing Wes the pictures right now. This slurry, and then these skateboard decks he's making. Yeah. 
That's great. That's See, that's pretty awesome. Cool. Very cool. And well, if this the- is if this is three kids, like college age kids, doing this, then what could you know? Where's the rest of our building materials made out of? Well, that's what I was just thinking. We're talking like about making a microplastic sucker to get all the stuff off the beaches there's got to be a machine didn't you see one too Wes yep yep there's some cool technologies it's almost like a vacuum cleaner that vacuums the sand and filters out microplastics um yeah it's called I think it's called Hulu One I want to drive that thing that would be cool (laughs) again that's an end you need solutions on every side but that's an end of the circle solution sure but you know then you're just making another product that goes into the chain but I mean at least you're doing something with it And now a word from our sponsor. Looking to buy or sell in the Charleston area? We got you. You gotta check out my girl Audra Walters from Front Porch Properties. Audra works with both buyers and sellers, but what sets her apart from other agents is she will stage your listing for free, zero dollars. There is no charge to the sellers. This helps tremendously, especially if you are selling a rental or a second home that has no furniture or hasn't been loved in years. It also helps if you live in the house and have a large brown ugly leather couch. She can fix it. Staging homes to sell for more money and more quickly. So why not sell with Audra? There's more. She offers free 3D virtual tours and drone videos with all her listings. It is key to get your home on social media and Audra rocks that out. You can find Audra on Instagram at Audra underscore Walters underscore CHS or frontporchpropertiessc.com. You can also always find her in my classes, turning on the freaking fans, Audra. (laughs) So check her out today. She's an awesome woman and she is super motivated. Well, yeah. And I mean, you said the thing about like home building. I don't know about what it's like where y'all live, but where Wes and I live, it's like you can't get by land fast enough. You know, people are building, building, building. And would that even be something that we could do in the States? I think that I'm wondering about that, if they can get that here, because look, you can over here in Hawaii, a lot of homes are built with cinder block. And then everyone, the house I'm in right now where we're at is cinder block based. And then they just put board and batten over the, over that. Mm -hmm. So your finish is like that wood, you know, you put your plywood up as your finish. So you're not seeing the cinder block because that's kind of a, you know, utilitarian look. Right. Mm -hmm. But imagine that this guy just built building blocks and then you cover it with your face, whatever you want. So most of the home is built with that material. And that material is going to last eternity. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that's another, that's another good example. Like a lot of people don't realize that like about, I think it's about 16 to 17% of the carbon footprint of humans is in concrete and steel. Mm. It's all of our buildings. And there's some really cool technologies they're working on where they're creating con- concrete that actually captures carbon, just like a tree would. And so just imagine if we move to a situation where all the materials that we use to build our homes were actually absorbing carbon. Mm-hmm. Now, it's transformational. You know, so lots of, like I said, there's so many cool ideas out there. And again, you asked about consumers. Like, I think consumers just begin to ask those questions, like do the research, support the companies that are doing innovative things, right. you know, get engaged, <laughs> I well, guess would be my answer. And just to play devil's advocate just for a minute, because of the industry that I'm in, well, I was in more before I'm in now, but you know, the yoga industry, people talk a lot about uh, meat and killing animals. I know that's different than plastic, but we're talking about, you know, the footprint on the earth. Do you feel like that plays into it at all? Or is that just like totally a different topic? I think it all plays into it. And you I'm not know, saying, I think it all. I say this to you, Wes, because Wes, I know you're like my husband, John, and John, John kills the meat that we eat a lot of times. And I don't feel bad about that. You know, I, and I don't know if it's feeling bad or good or whatever, but I feel like there's, is there a better way to do everything, right? If you're mindful and want, you know, you, who we are anywhere is who we are everywhere ultimately. Right. And so is there, is, do you feel like this is like a projection to just be mindful in all the areas of our lives? I absolutely think it is. I think everybody has to make their own personal decisions. I mean, uh, again, it's like a lot of these things. I mean, if, if we no longer had to live on, you know, um, the, the meat industry, um, would that have a significant impact on, on, on carbon in the environment? It absolutely would. Do I think that's realistic? Right. Not re- not really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, Hey, for folks that want to make that pivot, 
Um, I, I think that's great. And I've got friends who do. I mean, I've got some friends who the only meat they will eat is from, you know, something that, you know, they, they actually harvest, that they actually kill. Uh, and a lot of other friends who don't eat meat at all. And I think those are great decisions. But again, is that realistic to believe that that's the solution to solve this problem? I don't think it is because I, it's, it's sort of like getting all humans to, to just say we're no longer going to worry about convenience anymore. I mean, I think we have to be realistic. Um, and again, what I would like to see is a, more of a focus on the farming industry, you know, and like, again, if we begin to demand you know, more organic products, more uh, sustainably farmed products, you know, th there'll be a greater market for that. If we want, you know, the meat that we eat, if we want to understand where it comes from and know that it hasn't been, you know, raised inhumanely and proliferating the planet, you know, and we've already seen that. I mean, just look what's happened over the last 10 or 15 years with, you know, uh, organic, you know, organic products across the supply chain. So, uh, again, I think it's about demand, um, and, you know, certainly I'm not an expert in, in, in farming, but it's it's certainly a big part of the issue. That'll be your next trick. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Well, when Bill Gates owns all the farms, it won't matter. Right. <laughs> Vaccine farms. So, I mean, Sarah, what do you think? I mean, about I was going to say on that. <laughs> what, do you, what, what do you think about the whole, uh, the, whole uh, the meat industry and protein and, and all that? I mean, is it... There's a lot of folks in your world that they're talking about that. Um, well, you know, I've always feel like I've kind of been the bad guy of my industry a little bit. Um, reason why I, you know, kind of switched gears and instead of when I left my old studios, opened my next studios, instead of calling them yoga studios, called them a sweat studio because I was sick of being in a box and told, you know, these people do this and these people don't do this. And I think, and just listening to y'all talk about, um, and I know I pushed the button a little bit, but like, you know, not getting the government involved in this and that it's like, I kind of, I totally can resonate with that. It's like, put the, put it into your own hands, be socially responsible for the things that matter. Don't be an asshole, you know, and also don't put people in boxes that they didn't ask to be put in. Um, because I think that that really keeps us, keeps us separated. And what I hear y'all are saying is that the way that this will grow, it, it is a collaboration and it's talking, it's relating to people in different ways. So you kind of have to, I, I have three kids and I know like to, to explain one concept, I have to explain it three different ways, right? Because we all hear things differently. We all have different passions and we're all, so different people telling your story about a new earth project is going to hit different people. And that to me is how a collective community is formed. Um, does that make sense? When we show... No, I, you're all over it. I mean, and, and I, that, that is so well said. And again, I think everybody has to make their own personal decisions, but as opposed to, you know, all of us standing up and say, Hey, this is how you need to live. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're living in a way that you think is benefiting the planet and benefiting humanity, celebrate it, mm -hmm. you know, educate the, educate the rest of us on why you think it's working so well. Show us how it's having a positive impact inspire the rest of us to change. Right. And that's really what we're trying to do across the supply chain. Like we don't have all the answers. I don't claim to, I don't claim to have all the answers. I just want us all to start asking the questions and say like, how collectively can we do this together and let's celebrate the wins and, and really start to focus on like where we want to go. Right. Uh, as opposed to like pointing fingers and saying, you have to do it this way or that way. I mean, well, just, and I think that's, I don't think that's productive. No, it's not. Productive. Yeah, we're starting off this series you know, the surf world has always been influential and, and that's why there's a success of it becoming a $5 billion industry of, you know, all the products we make. And mm -hmm. we were all influenced by older surfers. We saw, Oh, those guys are cool. You know, it's got that cool factor, totally that rock does. and roll yep. factor. And we're coming into this from ground one. Like Wes just said, we're asking questions. We're not coming in saying, sign this petition. Mm -hmm. We're not demanding anyone do something. We're coming in, we're showing the beauty of the sport, the beauty of the ocean and these are surfers making a change because they're feeling it. Hopefully, and obviously, we're choosing people who are very influential and it's going to make an impact. Now, this is season one, eight episodes. We're starting somewhere. We're going to have a fishbone, fishbone headquarters here on the North Shore. We know surf. We know the surf world. This is where we're sticking. We're not going to try and go influence, you know, uh, basketball that's not our thing you know like we're doing our part in our backyard because mm -hmm. it is our backyard totally so we're asking questions we're learning together like i said you know 12 percent of the blue bins get recycled i didn't know that until two weeks ago when i tell someone that i always tell them 
I just found that out. Yep. I don't want to act like, hey, look at this knowledge I have and you don't have. Totally. It's not about that. It's just like, so what can we do? Well, the only thing I physically right now know we can do is Atlantic Packaging can help some of these companies put in a streamlined recyclable packing station. And we also have something called a fishbone carrier. Uh, so we got some, we got some products right away and we got some advice and we're going to learn together. And so like with that product, how does that look, how's that going around? How is that being marketed, sold? What the, uh, what's, when's the production on that? Wes would know about that, but I'll just tell you the influence when people see it, that it just, people who surf, we're around sea turtles every day here. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at a place, I'm looking off my balcony at the sea turtle capital of the North Shore right there. That spot is so good. And I've got to tell you, everyone freaks out. John John, the two-time world champion, saw the product and he was just amazed. Yeah. He saw the, the carrier and he just like, his heart melted. Like, why? Everyone always says that. Why haven't they been doing this? Mm-hmm. Good job, this Wes. So Good long? job, buddy. <laughs> well, I, 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 I certainly I certainly can't take the credit. I mean, we got, you know, we were, very, it to market. We were very fortunate that the, the, the guys who invented this product in California found us and said, hey, we'd like you guys to help us bring this to market. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, it's one product. It's not, it, it in and of itself is not going to change the world, but it, I think it's an example of what can be done. Um, and to, to PK's point, I mean, when we show it to people, everybody's like, wow, where has this been? Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and there's that opportunity for so many different products. I mean, you know, one of the things that COVID has done more than anything else to help this cause is everyone is getting more packages to their house than they ever dreamed imaginable. And I get, I get emails and text messages pretty regularly from friends of mine going, hey, this is a picture of what just came to my house. Can you do anything about this? Mm-hmm. There seems like there's way too much packaging. Totally. Or the box, is, the box is six times the size of the product. And so, you know, that is an area where I think we can begin to highlight and, and bring technology or right-size packaging and begin to introduce products like, you know, a curbside recyclable paper-based mailer. Because all that plastic mailers that come to your house, none of that stuff is currently curbside recyclable. It all ends up in the landfill, you know. But a mailer is a pretty good, you know, product when you're talking about optimizing the size of packaging. It's pretty efficient. So if we can introduce more sustainable options there that are curbside recyclable and also that if they end up in the environment, they do biodegrade, you know, again, we can start – I think we can start to have a really big impact in a pretty short amount of time. Once consumers understand, like, what is sustainable, what is compostable, what is actually recyclable at home and what isn't, mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, and, and create, like, literally excitement around it. Like, create a positive momentum, a positive groundswell that says, hey, this, this could be really fun. We, we could do this over the next 10 or 15 or 20 years. We could literally change the face of this planet for future generations. And honestly, like, that's the legacy that I want to be a part of. Absolutely. And just that's amazing. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. Good job. Bravo. Bravo. I'm clapping. Bravo. I mean, <laughs> I mean talk about making options available for people and, and guiding. That's, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And, and I love, and I keep going back to this, but I think it's because I've been in the service industry my whole life, whether I was bartending, waiting tables, slinging yoga, selling sweat, being a mother, a wife, whatever it is. And I, I, I've found so many different ways to do it, but the way that y'all are presenting this, it's, it feels more of like an opportunity, less of a threat. And I think that's what's going to make it um, mean something to people because it's as if they're part of the, part of the solution and not being forced to do something. And um, yeah, it's, this is really awesome. Well, I think that's the key. I mean, I really think this can be our generation's moon landing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. you know, I think this is our moon landing. And oh, I thought you were going to say moonlighting, but Bruce Willis series. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's our next podcast. That's I was excited about that. <laughs> moonlighting, moon landing. And sort of, does anyone remember that? No, you're old. Um, but yeah, again, like, I, I really think that there is a great energy and collaboration. I mean, quite honestly, I learned a lot of it, you know, in, in the rooms of health and wellness, you know, mm-hmm. and being inspired by people in your industry and, you know, you know, working, you know, with, with other people to facilitate, you know, your own healing and awakening. And like, you know, I see that that same opportunity exists in industry, that there's this incredible opportunity to support each other, uh, to collaborate, to innovate, um, and to create a, a new earth for future generations. Yeah. I, I, I can, this was really informative for me cause I was going in and I was talking to Carter and Lindsay before and I was like, you know, I've read, I'm trying, I'm digesting, but you know, as someone who lives kind of in the bubble and the microcosm of what I do, 
it, it feels like this is very aligned with it. And at the same time, like what you said, like you don't want to feel stupid and ask questions, you know, but that's like, you got to let that go. And asking the questions, like what you were saying, Peter, about only 12% of the stuff is recyclable. Like you didn't know that, you know? So I think it's really awesome to constantly be in the learning and that's, that is where we grow. And I do, uh, this is awesome. I'm really excited. Well, we are too. And, and, you know, I think this thing will continue to evolve and, you know, hopefully as, um, as the word gets out, I mean, you know, I think Peter and I's you know, great hope is that like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a sounding board for, for companies. It, it, it's a place to bring new technologies. Um, you know, I, I think the surfing community brings a ton to the table because, you know, these guys are the ambassadors of the ocean and they're all over the planet. They're seeing this up close and personal. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's truly personal to these guys, you know, uh, and, um, you know, they, they also bring a level of fun to it. They bring a level of sophistication and, um, and cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that matters. I mean, th- this is, if we make this cool, if we make this fun, you know, that's something people that can get on board for. Hey, I think sex that's sells. It's so true. It is. It's just, I mean, yeah, it's true. You know, sexy. no matter what it is, it's like, you know, when I was in my early twenties, I was the one flashing across the screen and now I'm like, Hey girls, come on over. <laughs> Let's get you to sell this product. Um, but before I let y'all off, both of you, is there anything else, you know, that you guys want to share about this or anything or anything really? Well, I would just say, 30 years ago, we didn't have blue bins at every house. Like probably 80% of the municipalities in America had recycle bins mm-hmm. because someone raised the issue, right? And the world changed. Now now we realize those aren't doing a 100% effective job of what we thought they might do. So what's the next thing? Well, we're going to find out and we're going to share it with you. Yeah. But it was, it's not that hard to get the whole citizenry to change, you know? Now maybe third world countries are... Some countries are just not going to budge, you know, like India is not going to budge, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, but right. you know, that's where my products like products, like my friend's company could change with the building materials, turning trash into profit and into building materials. But it, something happened where we all have blue bins now and there's a separate truck on a separate day that picks up my blue bins. So we can change things. Yep. Yeah. So let's figure out what's next. Yep. I yeah, hear that. I, 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 I think the biggest thing that I would, you know, try to encourage people to do because it's been really important for me because I, I am in this industry. I sell a lot of plastic packaging. So, you know, I'm not sitting up here saying I've got all the answers, but I do think it's important, like, to get away from black and white thinking. This is a radically complex thing, radically complex. And anyone who tells you that, oh, if we just did this or we just eliminated this, it would solve the problem. That's just not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be really, really analytical and really evaluate everything from like where these products come from. What is their birth process? What is how long can they stay in the supply chain? What is the end of life? Just because something can be recycled, even if it is recycled, if eventually it's got to have an end of life, you know. And so what does that look like? I mean, it is we have to really get creative. And again, like in the spirit of collaboration, I think. More than anything, it's like working together, doing the research, asking the questions um, and, and beginning to move to a more sustainable future. And we can do it, you know, and we can do it if we all work together. And I think that energy is really, really important. And um, and I will say this, too. It's really fun. I mean, it is really fun to be in this world and looking for these solutions. And um, all of us can be a part of that. You know, like when you find a really cool product that's sustainable, uh, it's just fun to introduce it to your life, introduce it to your friends, like go out there and look, go out there and ask the questions, support the companies, promote those companies that are doing, doing the good work. Yep. Um, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Do you see as this grows, like this is something that would grow into school, public schools and just teaching, teaching people like the, the whole teaching process, because I think what y'all have is so special. And like what you were saying is, you know, that people look up to surfers. I mean, we live in a beach town, but I don't care where you are. Like, it's cool. It's edgy. It's different. And it's athletic and it's healthy. And it's such a, they're great role models. And, you know, this might be like way not where you are right now, but I think, I do think it starts with people a lot younger than we are. No, I, we, I, I made a video called a natural high with a friend of mine about, might be 20 years now, 20 years ago. That program is still going. It's called A Natural High. 
and it was an anti-drug campaign. And we went into schools. We interviewed surfers, skaters, everyone from like Tony Hawk, Kelly Slater was a part of it. Mm-hmm. All the top surfer skaters. Those videos still exist. That program still exists. It's in over 22,000 schools, I think, in America. Yep. You have to get into the education system. And it's a really cool program. They have an online thing for teachers. So it's all free, of course. And they can, we used to personally show up and kind of give a drug-free testimony. But now I still run their Instagram. And yeah, it's a good program. So, you know, getting kids, we started going to high schools. You know, okay, the basic drugs are bad speech, right? right. Well, by high school, too late. Done, mm-hmm. gone, pointless. Then we started going to junior high. We said, this is great. These kids are receptive. You know who needs it? Elementary. Mm-hmm. Sixth grade, fifth grade. You have to get them before the world gets them. Totally. And we always talk about, and a big, strong message is, hey, peer pressure never goes away. You're always going to have peer pressure to influence you to do something stupid. People are going to try and see you go down so they can go up. You know, mm-hmm. that's just the way society and people work. You know, it's not all hunky-dory out there. But we've made choices to be drug-free in our life for a reason. You're going to have more success, more happiness. You're not going to hurt. Why would you? If someone came to your house to try and ruin your family, you'd want to stop it. Right. Drugs are coming to your house trying to ruin your family. Yeah. You can stop it. So we we had a lot of encouraging messages. We we couldn't sit there and hold them by the hand and walk them through their next week. But there's these uh, after-class programs. They could write essays online and win prizes. Anyway, it's called The Natural High. It's a really good program. Okay, cool. mine still runs it. So, yes, we can take this media that we're making. We're making a whole eight episodes, and we can find all these moments to cut together some encouraging positive messages and make a school program, of course. And and again, we're not selling a product. We're again, selling a like, message. Like, so yeah. like, again, the spirit of collaboration, that really wasn't on my radar until just this moment. But what an amazing idea. Like, mm-hmm. you know, again, an ill-informed public is the biggest barrier that we have. Right. Like, what people really want is they want to be inspired, you know, and, and what you do is inspirational. And, and I hope with this initiative that the surfing community can be the spark, can be the inspiration that gives people like, you know, it's that catalyst for change, you mm-hmm. know. And again, you know, get kids fired up. Like, how cool would it be if like all of our kids you know, we're, we're saying, Hey, I'm, I want to use more sustainable products. Oh my gosh. You know, I want to be sure that my, my board shorts are made from ocean plastics and, you know, Hey, I'm not going to use a single use water bottle. I'm carrying my own water. because Absolutely. Kelly Slater, does, Kelly Slater and John, John Florence do that. And they're cool guys. I mean, you know, you do that across a whole generation of youth Yep. and we wake up in 10 or 15 years and the world is a radically different place. And I, b- and I do believe that. And it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> what could be more fun than that? And it's cool you know? to watch so your, you know, your kids learn too, you know, not just the normal math, science, not that those are bad, but it's, it's interesting to create their own history. That's right. I can, I can argue that this is, it can be an opportunity to teach kid all of those traditional subjects because, you know, the next generation, our kids' generation they're the ones that are going to really be dealing with this, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they, you know, if we can begin the innovations, they're the ones that can finish it. They're the ones that can take us to the next level. And so, you know, the, the, the more access we can give those, those kids to technology and information um, and, and get those kids to ask the questions too, that, that, that's how we do this, you know, and I, I absolutely love the idea of having a, a school program um, that maybe some of these professional surfers could be a big part of and, um, get kids fired up about it. I mean, yeah. it's a, that's a remarkable idea. That's why I love this. You're project. welcome guys. You're welcome. Continues to evolve. <laughs> uh, if you need another, if you need something else to do, I yeah. know you're not, I know you don't have a lot going on. But, uh, there's, there's an opportunity here for you. If you could take one of if my kids to work for free, we've got so much. you can do. <laughs> oh, you sound like me. So I'm always just like, so you guys, if you want to check it out, uh, natural high live. Okay. That's the Insta. For Very that cool. One. Uh, if you want any other great Instagrams, a new earth project. Yep. <laughs> yep got it. Keep it. Give them all and, to me. Feed uh, them all to me. Peter King photo. Yeah. Cool. Peter <laughs> King photo, a new earth project, a new or not the, a new earth project. Cool. Um, and then uh fishbone beverage carriers Fish. is another one. That's um, too long. It's well, it's actually fishbone bells, B E V. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, get rid of the underscores too. I hate that. <laughs> See, we believe we, we, we've all we always got work to do. But yeah, we're again, we're going to be celebrating a lot of people in the surfing industry. We're going to be celebrating a lot of people just in the consumer products industry and in the packaging industry that are doing cool and innovative stuff. And 
Um, you know, we really appreciate the opportunity just to tell our story. And again, we, we certainly don't have all the answers. We're just a couple of guys that are uh, trying to ask the questions and get people excited about, uh, about what we can do as, as a global community. Well, I really appreciate you guys um, giving us your time. And as always, Wes, great to talk to you. And it was nice to meet you, Peter. And hopefully one day you thank you. I'll meet you face to face. Yeah, thank you. All yeah. right, y'all. We'll, have do, a- we'll do this. We'll, we'll actually bring you to the North Shore next time. We'll, we'll, we'll make that happen. Okay, Lindsay heard it. It's, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all have a good day. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. What an amazing, inspirational call with these two fellas. Um, truly, I I opened. Um, it's so easy to go through our days and just, as they said, do what's convenient, right? Drive through, drop, trash, blah, blah, blah. But clearly we cannot do that if we want um, a world for our children to live in or our grandchildren even. So check these guys out. Um, they'll be on, they're on Instagram. They have a website, all these amazing things. And if you liked us, rate us, review us, tell your friends, share this with your friends. This is how we educate people. And as always, we love you and we will chat with you soon. Bye.